Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on Fridays in May, each film touches upon Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or the hard way to enlightenment and the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie at nortonsimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps. LAist Studios. Hey, Hadley listeners, this is Brian De Los Santos. We have a special treat for you today. Last week, Gab Chevron, LA's food editor, and I hosted an event to chat about cheeseburgers. And if you missed out, don't worry, because you're about to listen to the live taping of it. And I invite you to come to our next event, which is still to be determined, but I'll be here. Check out LAist.com slash events for cool stuff happening here at the Crawford in Pasadena. All right, y'all, let's dig into this cheeseburger chat. Downtown is huge. We're in Culver City. Glendale, culturally, historically, it's a fascinating place. This time, we're in Pasadena. From Gob and Brian Studios, this is K-Town After Dark. Yes, you bet it is. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We like it dark in here, nice and sexy. It is love hour, right? This is our monthly segment where we're highlighting some of Gob's favorite spots across LA to get a quick meal. My name's Jimmy Han. This is Love Hour in Koreatown. We're not all going to Chipotle and Sweet Greens every day, you know? It's important to kind of get out there and get to know your neighborhood. This is our chef, Chef Aaron. What do you recommend that we try off the menu tonight? Burgers all the way. Everything on the menu is good, but the burgers are the standouts. Mmm. It is so good. Oh my god. We're trying to do a fair representation of all the different cultures and generations. My name's Jairo Bogarin. This is Hamburgers Nice. This is my this is my child. A beef sausage blend, fried egg, grilled onions, and then raspberry jam. It's like spicy, savory, sweet. I'm gonna keep saying the same thing on tape. Oh my God, it's delicious. It is though. I'm gonna do the Oklahoma smash and then one of the Bastorma Sojuk. Let's do a couple of doubles. Can I do a uh, just a single teriyaki burger and a medium orange bang, please? What would you recommend between the Oklahoma burger and the smash burger? One has grilled onions, one has raw onions. I think I'm going to do both then. I don't know if we're going to be able to finish all of this, Cobb. I don't know if you know this, Brian, but my refrigerator's full of leftovers from all my travels. So oh my goodness. It's kind of a, you know, a thing. <laughs> Hello, everyone. First and foremost, Gob, how's your fridge looking like today? You know, we started out 2024 with a clean slate. So uh, New Year, we, new we Gob. Threw, yeah, we threw out a lot of stuff. So we're trying to keep it, you know, nice and cute inside. So we got to so. do a new fat, cheap fast eats pretty soon, right? I know. So we can fill it up with more leftovers. So. I love that. All right, y'all. Who listens to How to LA? Can you like, give me a like, woot woot or something? Hey, okay. That's a a crowd. I love this. Uh, It's giving um, cheap ass heats. That's what we're going to talk about. 
I love that we have a nice crowd for our Hamburger Fry event. Um, tell us a little bit about the title really quick, Gob, because you sold it to me. Yes, yes. So um, back in elementary school, at Longfellow Elementary in uh, my hometown of Whittier, California, uh, where uh, my, uh, uh, my good friend Nicole, she's in the audience tonight, and, and she was there too. Um, we used to have these community events called Hamburger Fries, and it was an after-school event, and all the families would come out, and there would be carnival games, and the In-N-Out truck would show up, you Ooh, know, yeah. and you know, feed everybody, and it was just a great time. So when we were trying to come up with names for tonight's event, Hamburger Fries stuck out. Of course, nobody knew what that was, <laughs> so I kind of had to convince everybody uh, the great memories and trying to capture a little bit of that magic tonight. I love that. This is L.A. Exactly. Before we get to our panelists, we did want to bring a little bit of history for y'all. Um, so we want to introduce someone who's near and dear to our podcast heart, Hadley Mears, who is our freelance journalist who writes about L.A. history, art and culture. She contributes to LAist, our newsroom, um, Hollywood Reporter, Vanity Fair and other outlets. Hadley, can you come out and grace us with your presence? She was just on the podcast, so if you want to hear more, uh, check out How Do I Lay. Yeah, it was a really great episode. Uh, Brian and Hadley went to Pie and Burger here in Pasadena. Um, they did not invite me, so I'm going to be Sorry. holding that against them for the course of this evening. No, I'm just kidding. How are you, Hadley? Wonderful. It's good to be here. Uh, in addition to Hadley's great work on the podcast, she also publishes some really excellent work on uh, on LAS.com, uh, which I've had the fortunate to work with her plenty of times with. And, uh, and she just published this really great uh, cheeseburger history. So we're in Pasadena, and as you may or may not know, it's Cheeseburger Week. We're celebrating 100 years of the cheeseburger. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so there's some tea, or should we say beef, <laughs> about the history of the cheeseburger. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the history of the cheeseburger is really fascinating because there's many different claimants to the cheeseburger throne. But, of course, our favorite claimant is a man named Lionel Steinberger, who uh, was a guy from Pasadena who, in, we think... The 1920s, I would actually put it closer to 1927, opened a little stand called The Right Spot off Route 66. And he was not doing very well in his business, right? It was hard. And so his friend suggested, this is one of the many stories, his friend suggested, hey, why don't you try something different? And so they came up with this idea of putting cheese on a hamburger, which was this revolutionary idea at the time. People just ate burger meat uh, with maybe onions and just the bread. And he did it, and he tried it out on a couple of faithful customers, and they loved it. And then the next day, he had all these people coming up to this little stand saying, hey, are you the place that serves burger with cheese? And the rest is history, or at least folklore. So I was listening to the uh, podcast on the way up here mm -hmm. today, and... Um, uh, I remember, I think what you said in, the, in your interview with Brian is there was a little bit of hesitancy on his part. I thought this was really interesting uh, because of the cost associated. And could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So he was really wondering if he actually wanted to make this a thing on his menu because cheese happened to be very expensive at the time. And so that might be one of the many reasons, you know, Sternberger didn't name this the cheeseburger. And that, I think, has been part of the confusion about a 
He's the actual originator. He called it the aristocratic burger. Right? And maybe that was because there was this luxury of this expensive cheese on top of it. Yeah, I, I, I gagged when you said aristocratic burger. I'm like, why was it so fancy? And I guess, you know, the time, we, there also the era was very different back then, right? Can you it explain was. a little bit about that? Yeah, it was very different, you know, and I think that what it really was was the dawn of the modern age, right? And Southern California was the epicenter of that. So you have a booming car culture before a lot of the rest of the country had a car culture. It was already a very spread out area. So you had all these people driving up and down, what we now know is Route 66, going into the city, and they needed a quick bike to eat. So all of these roadside stands started popping up. And actually, the way Lionel bought the right spot was one day he was driving into the city, and he saw a hitchhiker who needed a ride. And, you know, back then, you always picked up a hitchhiker. And mm-hmm. before, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, uh, before unsolved mysteries and stuff. And so <laughs> he picked this dude up, and he was very gracious because it had been raining the night before, so it was really muddy. So he drove the guy directly to this soda stand to get a soda off Route 66, and then he just started talking to the owner. And he decided he was going to buy it. He had been very entrepreneurial his whole life. He had already had fruit stands, been selling stuff since he was a little kid. And so he traded his old beat-up car for this roadside stand, and he renamed it The Right Spot. So, you know, it really was a time when you could make a deal. Like, think about doing that today. Just, like, trading your old car in for a business, right? Not anymore. I mean, that's how things were different back then. Totally. I do want to... Uh, point out something that I loved uh, highlighting the episode was that it was the birth of the cheeseburger was here in Pasadena but also of so many other things in Southern California like it made me proud to be from this place right and we talked about you know how it got commercialized and we have In-N-Out and and McDonald's and and really like this culture of like fast food now but when you think about it the beginnings of all this food and franchises, it started here. It did. I mean, we are really the epicenter and the birthplace of fast food for good or for bad. And also what's really interesting is when we think of these huge corporations today, McDonald's, Taco Bell, In-N-Out, all these places that started in Southern California, they were all just basically little family businesses run by, you know, entrepreneurial 20th century, you know, believers in capitalism who really, really clung to that kind of, now what we see is a little archaic notion of the American dream, right? Mm -hmm. And they had an opportunity to be able to start these businesses that now today, I mean, look at McDonald's, it's everywhere. And it just started out before the McDonald's brothers stole it as one guy with a dream, right? Right. Right. So yeah, it it is a really proud thing, especially to me, because I love fast food. Yeah. So, and for, you know, the fast food history aficionados out there, there is a plaque, right? Uh, that people can go and visit. Yes, there is a plaque where approximately where the original, uh, right spot was on, uh, it was at 1500 West Colorado, I think. Yeah. And they put this plaque here in 2017. Now, it tells a different version of the story of Lionel and how he created the cheeseburger. And I recently found an article from 1931 that we think is the oldest documentation of what actually happened. I think this plaque was probably uh, 
come up told through word of mouth and family lore. But in this article, Lionel talks about when and where and how old he was when he created the cheeseburger. So I think that that is probably more accurate, but the plaque is lovely. (laughs) What's your hot take on the history real quick? Uh, My hot take on the history is that I like to think it was more of maybe a hive mind. There's several other claimants to the cheeseburger throne. Uh, There's a place in Louisville, Kentucky called Kalins that swears that they invented the cheeseburger, but they swear that that was in 1934. And even... From the little we know, that seems well after Lionel was already serving up the aristocratic burger. There's another place in Denver that claims to be the origin of the cheeseburger. And the guy who runs that place actually copyrighted the term cheeseburger in 1935. And most, I think the only claimant that I truly believe is there was a restaurant, Long God Code Odell's, in uh, South L.A., and they have a menu we still have today from 1928 mm-hmm. that has the chili cheeseburger on it. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's probably between Odell's and the right spot. But I can't believe that some great mama somewhere hadn't already put some cheese on a cheese on a hamburger for their kids well before that. I love that. Love that. But the women never get the credit, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Hadley, thank you so much for hanging out with us Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Y'all can check out more of her story online on LAS.com or on the podcast, How to LA. It just dropped this week, so make sure to check it out. I know we are dying to hear more about our panelists, so we're going to introduce them now. Um, they're going to come out shortly, um, but also enjoy the food afterward. Um, don't forget there's going to be food afterward. Okay, so let's go ahead and introduce our panelists. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and read all the names. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, come you? out, come out. Okay, uh, so please, panelists, join us. We have Alicia Lopez from Hangabers, Jimmy Han from Love Hour, and last but not least, Jairo Boraguin from Hamburgers Nice. What's up, family? How are you? Good. Hello, thank you for having us. It's great to great to see you. Great Can we share, Alicia, what you said earlier about like the, the hat, the hamburger grease? You were working right now, girl. I was. I was. I put some perfume on though before I came out. I was worried about it. Look, I'm still hungry, so I I, I'm still, all smelling his hamburger. There's right still now, a layer underneath my sweater. We're all gonna smell like hamburgers by the end of tonight. That's the goal, at least. It's a good set. Yeah. Um, so, Alicia, maybe we could start out with you, but I'm gonna pose this question to everybody. Um, how'd you get started? For us, um, we've always, my wife and I are the ones that own the business. Um, we've always had a passion for burgers. I, for me, burgers are just the most nostalgic thing. Um, and we already had ideas, had played with some recipes before, but it wasn't until the pandemic when I lost my job. I was furloughed for a while with my design job that my wife just sort of encouraged me. And she said, well, we have nothing to lose now. Just try it out. So we did. I think it was maybe three months into the pandemic, we had our first pop-up. Wow. And that was in front of your house, right? Yes. It was yeah. in front of our house in the driveway, masked up, six feet distance, everything. Just uh, around, down the road in, in El Sereno. In El Sereno, yeah. yeah. Our first pop-up, some people already had come, and, and somehow um, LA Taco got aware of it. And by the next pop-up, it was just the two of us, and we had a three-hour line. 
Wow. I'm like, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> I was like, I could just do a few burgers at a time. So, but it's kind of just took off from there. Did you did you start selling the Tipeek burger at that time too? Yeah, that was always on the menu okay. from the beginning. Yeah. Okay, tell the audience uh, if you don't mind uh, what about the Tipeek burger. Our Tipeek burger, um, we had a burger. I have family in Tipeek, Nayarit, um, in Mexico. Shout out to Nayarit, yeah. everybody. <laughs> And they had a burger that we tried there probably 15 years ago, but it always just stuck in our minds. And it had um, some ham on it, like sandwich ham on it, grilled onions, and it had this like sauce that was like a crema sauce, a mustardy mm. crema sauce. It was really spicy. And once we had that, I just had to kind of recreate my own version of it. Love and that. People love it. <laughs> it's it's a fantastic burger. It's thank you. One of the great LA burgers as far oh, as I'm concerned. So, so Jimmy, tell us about Love Hour's world domination. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, my name is Jimmy from Love Hour in Koreatown, and I will say uh, will say I did invent the cheeseburger. There you go. twist. Yeah. Uh, I had previous experience with another bar and restaurant called Beer Belly in Koreatown. Uh, I had an amazing chef. But uh, after he moved back to Chicago, uh, I had to kind of pivot and do something new and fun. And uh, I partnered with my friends from Koreatown Run Club, uh, two guys, Mike and Dewey. And we decided to do smash burgers in in the parking lot. Uh, We set up our first pop-up outdoors and uh, wanted to enjoy the, the nice L.A. weather night air, especially in Koreatown with so much life and drinking going on around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, same for us. Uh, luckily enough, we had an amazing turnout, had a line down the block and uh, decided, OK, uh, we had a lot of fun and this is something we can do that we're passionate about. So we decided to uh, continue to grow it. So, Jimmy, remind me again, what year did you guys, did Love Hour start, more or less? 2019 was our first pop-up. Okay. And after that, we started taking it very seriously. But, of course, in 2020, things got derailed. Right. But lucky for us, we're passionate about it. And we had so much fun throughout those years, you know, kind of doing pop-ups out of the parking lot, you know, drive-throughs. We even made uh, do-it-yourself home kits. For people to go home and smash burgers at home, but um, yeah, it was it was just such a good time, and um, yeah, fortunate for me, uh, I had a lot of fun doing something I was passionate about. And I mean, the only reason why I was asking about the timing is I know you guys came around before the pandemic, but it always felt like you were really good at kind of utilizing the outdoor space even before like outdoor dining be kind of came a thing in that respect. You know, um, honestly. I have fun outside, it, the, the L.A. weather. And I, I think that's a great uh, byproduct of the pandemic. People are really appreciating the outdoor, the uh, uh, dining al fresco, being outside, and really being able to take advantage of the great weather we have in L.A. Definitely. Can you talk about your Fridays that you mentioned earlier? Oh, we do a fun uh, natural wine night at Love Hour, and uh, it's called Clink. And we have a lot of fun. and. Drink a lot of wine, eat a lot of burgers. Please feel free to come out. Great music. Uh, our next too. one is tomorrow, but we do it once a month. Great music, yes. Great DJs. Hi, Do. What's up, guys? Hey. 
So back to the question I had is, uh, how did you get started? Um, by the way, Haido was one of the first few chief athletes we did. Second, yeah. He was yeah, the second. Long Beach, LBC. Yeah. Who's from LBC here? Oh, All right, we got a couple of hands. <laughs> Pulling it down on. to the front row. Um, I was working in the craft beer industry for a long time before... I got into food, and I was actually organizing all the food pop-ups at the brewery I worked for. Um, around that time is when I met Jimmy and a bunch of other food vendors. I started paying attention and, and just loved the, the freedom, the flexibility, the creativity that all these chefs and caterers uh, were bringing to the table, and it was super appealing. I got serious. I went on YouTube, learned a bunch of stuff, asked the right questions, and, and I ran with it. And now? And four years, I started in late 2019, and here we are, four years later, we're talking about burgers on stage, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Cheeseburgers. So, for those who have not had your burgers yet, explain to them the idea behind hamburgers for breakfast. Uh, when, I first, when I first began to make uh, burgers, I would take them to my local coffee shop across the street from where I lived. The owner of that shop offered me the space to pop up, and he gave me an 8 a.m. to noon time slot. So I thought, okay, we're doing breakfast burgers, whatever that means, and uh, put together things inspired by like McDonald's breakfast and and you know diner food breakfasts. Um, I started making like a sausage and egg burger, a chorizo and egg burger, and uh, started promoting and trying to convince people to eat burgers for breakfast. We'll be right back after this. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or The Hard Way to Enlightenment by Conrad Wolf and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on consecutive Fridays, now through May 31st. More information at nortonsimon.org. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to How to LA. You also feature uh, a fried egg and grape jelly too, right? Right. On your, yeah, on your traditional, it's, it's, it, on, your, mean, on your classic breakfast burger. Can we call it that? The classic breakfast burger at this point? We're all nostalgia dealers up here. You know, yeah. b- burgers are, are such a, such a part of, of growing up in Southern California and, um, I definitely run with that when I'm coming up with flavors, combinations for food. Uh, the breakfast burger was inspired by my friend CJ's mom. When I was a kid, she put grape jelly in an egg McMuffin and handed it to me. And there was no looking back after that. I started putting <laughs> jelly on my, on my sandwiches. And those are uh, popular, right? With your Yeah, it's, it's my, one of my best-selling items. Um, yeah. Every Thursday, I pop up at a place called Good Time in Long Beach, and we offer the AM menu, which is all the breakfast stuff, 
Friday nights, we do the PM menu, which is your more typical uh, cheeseburgers, fries, stuff like that. Part of the essence of uh, not just the podcast, but what we do at LA is we really try to uh, highlight um, whether it's individual entrepreneurs or, or people making an impact in neighborhoods. And, you know, I turn to you, Jimmy, and you being in K-Town, um, in your previous business, it was already popping. People knew. People, I would hit up uh, friends. I think, is Nelson here? When we went, went to go get, like, food there once, it was at his spot, by the way. It's, it was, like, after the gym. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just to say, like, I come across people just knowing that K-Town is this hustle and bustle area, right? And you've been there for quite a long time. Um, I, why K-Town? Why remain there? And what's made it so connected to you and your business? As a Korean-American, of course, I grew up in Koreatown. And of course, the nightlife is, you know, pretty, pretty lively. I think it has one of the highest concentration of liquor licenses in, in one small area. Uh, there's a lot of bars and, and restaurants. Before, before Jay Gold, I will say, mm. uh, maybe everyone were, was a little scared to go into a Korean restaurant. Nobody spoke English. The menu was all in Korean. But after Jonathan Gold and a lot of people started venturing out into Koreatown, uh, it really became a central hub. And I do think it's uh, geographically also pretty central um, by Hollywood, downtown, um, Beverly Hills, West Side. So uh, Koreatown's just always been a very uh, lively community. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, been, it's been great being there and growing the community there. Yeah. I feel like you guys have, you know, and I don't know if this was always intentional or, I mean, you said you grew up from there, you grew up there, but you guys are sort of like K-Town ambassadors almost, yeah. you know, at this, at this point, you know, you, 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 you fly that flag very proudly. Oh, thank you. Um, I, you know, I never really looked at it that way. I just always did what I had fun doing. Mm -hmm. um, I was in the beer business before with Beer Belly, Craft Beer, and that was just uh, the right time in a growing industry and uh, for just being a small business owner, I guess. It's, uh, it's kind of that place where a lot of immigrants came and chased that American dream, being small business owners, being restaurant owners, being business owners. And it's one of the communities where you don't see a lot of big corporate chains. Mm. Uh, they have their reasons and data for that, but uh, it is what it is. It's it's a very mom and pop, um, small business uh, owned community. I just want to point out also, like I think Jairo and Alicia also, y'all have like a neighborhood appeal. You may pop up at different places, but it's always like you're not in. I want to say you're not in Central City where you know Barbie was filmed at and all those you know. Remember Ken, that scene and stuff? You're not in those spaces. You're in the space of community, right? So I, I, right. do you want to talk about that at all? Well, for us, Al Serino, my wife grew up there. So when we were buying a house, that's where we wanted to live. And just that neighborhood is just, it feels like home. So it felt natural for us to start there. And we still try to do as much as we can in the community. And, you know, the people that started in that three-hour line still come to our pop-ups. So there really is a sense of community when you service like those areas. Yeah. They support. Yeah. Uh, same. I, I don't think I had the grand vision to stay in one part of town when I started. It was more like that was where the platform was offered first. But um, 
more and more, I was just actually talking to Jimmy about it. I realized that the roots have been grounded where I'm at. I'm in East Long Beach uh, in Cambodia town. And it's, it's a wonderful, much like Koreatown, but on a smaller scale, just there's a nice hodgepodge of different people from all types of backgrounds. And it's now like where Hamburger's Nice lives. Whether or not I want to move to uh, Barbie Century City, <laughs> like that's kind of where the uh, following is. So, um, so I'm there to, to service the community at this point. And you've built a really strong following, right? I mean... Uh, full disclosure, you know, I, I you know, we, we're neighbors and uh, and, you know, when I attend one of your Friday night pop ups, you know, it's like all the homies come out that night, you know, um, and everybody's, you know, um, you know, families, you know, young people, old people, queer, black, brown, Asian, you know, um, it's a dream come true, to be yeah. honest. And again, not something that I was thinking about. When I started, I just wanted to provide something good, something that made me happy. And um, to get this type of response over the years is a dream come true, for sure. So, um, Hiro, I had another question for you. Um, so tell us a little bit about the decision to go with the pop-up model for your business. Um, what was, was there an appeal behind it when it came to selling burgers under that heading? Definitely. It was it was very punk rock when I was looking at it from the outside. Very do it yourself. Uh, I saw freedom, honestly, freedom of schedule, uh, creative freedom to build a team, to build a menu. Um, it was my way out as far as like I don't I don't want to work for anyone else. And um, with the power of social media, it was very easy to be, you know, one person controlling a promotion uh, communicating with an audience as far as where to find me, what to expect. Uh, everything that came after that has been a wonderful surprise because this is a lot bigger than what I thought it was going to be when I first started. Love Freedom, that. though. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll concur. I mean, I, I have had previous businesses and, you know, the, the idea of being out on the sidewalk, you know, you see taco stands all over the place, but it's, it really is kind of liberating and, uh, it is a lot of freedom and it's, you know, one of the best, uh, feelings and, and, uh, enjoyments, you know, you could, you could ever have, uh, you're also not, uh, answering to anyone and, uh, mm -hmm. you, you, you can be creative and, uh, you can have fun with it. So, uh, like the pop-up, the pop-up life, is much more preferable than a, than a typical nine to five or even bar hour schedule. Can I pick on Alicia for a little bit? Sure. <laughs> um, in an interview, you said that you and your wife were entering a male-dominated space. Um, yes. That was a few years ago. Uh -huh. um, how do you feel now? And I just imagine, you know, that your visibility has inspired others to do this type of work, whether it's hamburgers or tacos or. I don't know, creating their own dishes uh, and being their own entrepreneurs in their businesses. So do you feel that same way still that you're in a male-dominated field, whether it's cheeseburgers or, or small business, food businesses still? I think so, yes. I mean, the pop-up world, everyone's very welcoming. So there is a sense of community, whether you totally feel like you belong or not. 
but there always has been a sense of community. Everyone's, I've met both of these guys before and they've always been so kind to me. So it's just more, there is underrepresentation with women doing pop-ups. You see less of it. So I'd like to see more, but um, hopefully that changes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree better. Or more, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so as you all probably know, last year, Los Angeles saw huge numbers in restaurant closures. You know, we've covered it. Los Angeles Times covered it. Eater LA, it's all over the place. So given the majority of you are running pop-ups or came from the pop-up sort of ecosphere, um, when you hear that news, how does it make you feel as business owners? Well, for me, it's, it's intimidating. You know, I've kind of toggled in that space of, do I push and go to the next level of getting a brick and mortar and leave down, leave pop-ups behind, but then you have that uncertainty and it's scary. Mm. So for me, it's, it's kind of weighed in on that to see when do we make that move? Can I ask a follow-up about inflation? Because, you know, we all know it's, prices have gone up. Mm. How do you deal with that? For, for us, we've tried to keep our burgers as best priced as we can. I think total over the past four years, we've only raised the price twice. And that was really only because meat really changed. And we use a fresh bun, so that costs more money now. But besides that, we've really just tried to keep it at minimum and not give that extra uh, amount to the customer. Yeah. Appreciate you being vulnerable here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, uh, in reference to the, to the restaurant closure statement or question, it keeps me grounded as far as what I'm doing. Uh, I do have. I wake up sometimes and I do have energy to go look for a space, something I could afford, a brick and mortar. Uh, but it keeps me flexible. It keeps me creative as far as okay, maybe the restaurant model isn't working right now. What about the catering model? What about you know special events? What about linking up with certain businesses where we can split costs? So I think it just keeps me flexible because uh, signing up for a big lease doesn't, you know, it's not too attractive right now. Uh, wow. For all the uh, restaurant closures, I've, I've done and closed some restaurants. So I know uh, how hard it is. And I think it's, it's a real uphill battle being a small business owner and we need support of people and customers. We need support of family and friends. Uh, there's a mental health issue crisis mm. also with uh, service industry workers. Um, but uh, a lot of these things are being raised in our local government, cities, and uh, it's, it's important that um, we continue to fight for small business owners. Uh, street vendors of course we we all have our local taco cart we might support and we understand they they are making a living trying to make a living but it's uh it's our job as a society uh also as consumers but also as fellow maybe business owners and also city officials to find the right formula for everyone to have um, you know, access to food and make uh, access to a, a fair living. Um, and so it, it's an interesting 
area we are in right now because of COVID-19 and things that have changed. Inflation, of course, uh, has decimated the restaurant industry. Also, labor costs. Of course, we want everyone to have a living wage and, every, and our economy to grow. But also, as small business owners, it's sometimes hard to keep up with that. And we don't always want to pass on the costs to, to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, for us at Love Hour, we might, before we raise uh, the burger uh, price, we'll, we'll charge an extra dollar on the beer. You know, we have that luxury, but there's a lot of small business owners that don't. And so it's really interesting where uh, we're at this point. And uh, I think it's going to take uh, the city and of course there's state fees taxes city fees taxes federal fees taxes mm-hmm. uh, there there's a lot going on there um, but um, something has to give and uh, we have to find a, a very fair path forward for uh, our society a society to succeed yeah can I just highlight that I believe the food service industry was one of the few industries in the world that didn't really stop during the pandemic. There's a way that we have to keep feeding people, right? Um, and so I just want to highlight that, but also the fact that some businesses came about during the pandemic, um, whether it was like right after we got the shots or around that time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs were like, this is the time for me to do something different. And at least mm-hmm. that's kind of your story, right? Yeah. Um, how are you feeling now, now that there's a little bit more opportunity to do different, do things differently than when we were masking or doing social distancing and all that? Well, now it just feels kind of like opportunities are kind of everywhere. It's more figuring out what direction it is to go. You know, we both work our full-time jobs, so this is like our side thing. So as much as we're passionate about it, it's finding that balance. Okay, when is the right time to really go full steam ahead on it? And, you know, we get all of the positive feedback, and it seems like everything is there, but there's always just something that, you know, keeps you from pushing yourself to that. And you said something right now um, that that made me think of what we were talking about earlier too, you know, in terms of like that pathway from pop-up to brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. you know? And when we're talking about the American dream and all of that kind of stuff, I mean, that kind of is the closest thing we have to it now, it feels like, you know? It feels like the majority of new restaurants are opening, you know, I was at the, the media event for Mideast Tacos, you know, and, and that started out as a, as a pop-up. It, mm-hmm. it feels like the majority of new restaurants, the, the new and exciting ones are, you know, coming from sort of that, that pop-up universe, a, a, right. as it were, you know? There's just so much room there to, just like Heidel said, to just explore and try things and really kind of iron out what it is you want to do and test stuff out because... You know, you get to try different burgers and get feedback, and that's part of the fun of it, too, because mm-hmm. you could switch it up, where if you do have a brick and mortar, you're kind of stuck with it. You right. have to kind of keep consistent with what people like, and I like that flexibility, too, where you could try different things. A lot of pop-ups uh, also have to keep their day job, yeah. and, uh, you know... Um, Anytime you're able to quit your day job, which you might or most likely might not like, um, you're fortunate to pursue something that you're passionate about. And the service industry is so, so challenging financially, emotionally. 
it's more hours than 40 hours a week. That's for sure. It's more expensive than, you know, collecting a paycheck and with benefits where in the service industry, um, benefits are highly unlikely, but, um, it's, it's, uh, a blessing to be able to do what you're passionate about. And I think there's definitely a, a, a group of people who are giving that up to pursue their passion, uh, cooking and providing for the community or doing something they're passionate about. But uh, there also is a lot of, um, a lot of people leaving the service industry because when everything closed down during the pandemic, they realized, hey, I don't want to be a line cook. I don't want to be a dishwasher. I don't want to be a server, you know. And uh, they decided to go out and find different things to do that maybe they were more passionate about. And so uh, it's it's always been a challenge in the in the service industry, um, but there always is someone willing to chase their American dream. Yeah, love that. Cheeseburgers are very American, right? Very American. Very. Yeah, we just <laughs> learned a hundred years here. <laughs> We have one last collective question for you. What is on the horizon for 2024? Jairo, let's start with you. Uh, I, I started entertaining. Uh, I've been shopping around for, for a brick and mortar. Um, but being very choosy, you know, I have the luxury of, of having a pop-up that's doing well at the moment. So I, I'm not being pushed to find a brick and mortar right now, but... I'm very curious about finding uh, what I'm looking for in Long Beach. So um, just more bigger gigs, more catering, and um, just a steady growth. I've started hiring more people. My team is getting bigger and uh, still having fun with it. Great. Uh, Love Hour. We just opened a bar. We got a full liquor license, so we have a full cocktail program. Uh, Things like that, we're able to sustain our staff our chef just had a baby last sunday Aww. so the first love hour baby and we're going to continue to serve burgers and um, drink a lot so please come <laughs> visit us in koreatown for us just hopefully continued growth i think um, we want to kind of expand into different areas i think sometimes you get stuck going to the same places and you've kind of met that limit of finding new clients there. So our goal this year is to really spread out a little bit more around LA. We've been asked to go in different cities. So hopefully spreading out, doing more pop-ups and hopefully more events like this where we get to really um, share our burgers with new people. Yeah. Is the wifey here? She is. She's in the she back. At? Hi. She didn't want to. She didn't want to speak today. She's in the back. She's, <laughs> she's, she's cooking earlier. So we have a surprise for y'all. Well, for everyone, really. We're gonna pop quiz you guys on cheeseburgers. Y'all ready? Oh, I didn't, I didn't Pasadena. Know. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, Pasadena. Woo! We're in the Crawford. All right. We're gonna do a cheeseburger trivia. Um, God, we're gonna kick things off, and then I. Yes. Okay. So it's multiple choice. Okay. In and out open for business in what year? 19- and you got to scream for your answer, okay? 1945? No. Okay. None, no one? No? Okay. 1947? Yeah. Yes. 1948? I think 40. No Googling on your phones. <laughs> so which one was it? Two or three? Uh, 1948. 
we we got we got to see the winners. Who, we got to What's that? A or B? Who, who's, who said it the most? Oh, uh, C was loudest. C was loudest? Loud? Okay, Jimmy, that's what okay. I was asking. Yeah. Jimmy's our, He's our, Jimmy's our, our, our ears. sound. <laughs> you got to get the, the arm going, you know? Okay, next question. Oh, wait. Oh, we, we got a depends. few. I heard it. It depends. Okay. What does it depend on? Quality of the potatoes. Okay. I'm gonna Have say. To be hot. Has anybody ordered them well done? Yes. Light. Whoa. No, Does anybody order them soggy? No. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Can we get a mic? <laughs> no, y'all are saying good stuff. I want to hear you guys. We're taping this for How to LA, by the way. This is gonna be an episode. I want to hear your lovely voices. Um, but but we were we. What were people saying? I can't hear from this side. That's all. Animal style fries, fries. Oh, the best, okay. for sure. So wait, what was the what was the winner of the of the round? We need you to read the question. We are recording a podcast. Oh, that's oh. right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the question. All right. We can edit this in post. The question is: Are In and Out fries good? Yes. Yes. It's mixed. It's mixed. Brian's taking the iPad away from yes, me. Yes, thank now. you. Um, okay, next question is how many burgers does McDonald's serve per day? Okay, number one is 1.5 billion with a B. Anyone? No. Is this in America? Woo, uh, maybe. Yes, yes. Uh, this is, no, this is worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. We're worldwide. Baby. Actually, no, didn't we Google US only? You Googled. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, don't Google it, y'all, but I, I, we did. No, it was in the U.S. only. Okay. The, I remember, yeah. Okay. So this is in the U.S. only. It's how many burgers of McDonald's do a day. It's, uh, so it's, uh, sorry, it's, number one is 5 billion. Number two is 6.5 billion. Anyone? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> and then number three is 800 million. Y'all are cheap. Okay, we got one over here. Two over there. Uh, okay. It's B. Six point five million. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you guys are cheeseburger like big fans. That's why you guys came here tonight, right? Aficionados. Yeah. All right. So um, this, you guys should know this because we talked about this earlier. The question is, what was the name of the supposed inventor of the cheeseburger here in Pasadena? One. Okay. I'm not even. Okay. Sternberger. Woo! All right, the audience got it. it was, Harry okay, Mack is a great you name, You need a though. prize over here, okay? We need a prize Harry for Mack? you. Might have to make one. Make one of those. A Harry Mack. Thank you. All right. You guys won. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You did great, y'all. We, we did great. Um, we do want to open up for a short 10-minute Q&A. If anyone has questions for the panelists or for Gav and I, um, we will have someone with a mic walking around. Um, Rebecca is out there with a the mic. And we have uh, someone who raised her hand. Please, uh, can you say your name and can you ask the question? Hi, my name is Mark, and I have uh, three things to say. First of all, in 1995, I moved to Koreatown at the Evanston Apartments right there in Kenmore. That was my very first place. Okay. Bachelor, it's changed a lot. Thank goodness. Um, second of all, what is the origins of your business's names? Oh. Well, Love Hour, we had, a, we had a list of names, and Love Hour just kind of stuck with us. There's no real rhyme or reason, but it was just a great name that, that we 
really enjoyed and uh, it helps us uh, convey our passion and love for burgers. So, uh, Hamburgers Nice was a nod to Spanish-owned businesses or Mexican businesses. Uh, instead of Nice Burger, it was the rough Spanish translation, hamburguesas nice, hamburgers nice. Uh, for us, we just wanted something more playful, so it's kind of a take on how a child would say hamburgers. They say hangovers. <laughs> so once we thought of that, that was the winner. All great cute. Third question. Hey, this is a hamburger fry, so I'm curious, how are your fries? Oh. Uh, we mix them up. We do potato tots in the morning. We do curly fries when we feel like it. We do shoestring fries most of the time, so we keep you guessing. Uh, our fries are better than in-out fries, so <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Uh, unfortunately, we, have, we do chips. We'd sell like our Lay's, uh, classic Lay's chips with it for now. For now? But what would for you now. do for fries? Our, we really want to do a really thin-cut matchstick fry. Ooh, matchstick. Okay. Nice. Fancy. That sounds nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for those questions. Great questions, Mark. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, we have a hand here. Oh, and over there. Yeah. And in the back, too. Hi, I'm Diana. This is fantastic. Um, okay, so if you were on a desert island and if you could only eat one of your burgers from your current company, <laughs> which burger would you eat? Whoa. I would eat my original. That's actually, even though the, the Beak Burger is really popular, my original is like, I could eat that one every time. Is your original the... Um... It's the one we're serving today with pickles, okay. sauce, and the thin onions. <laughs> we only do one burger, the Love Hour Burger, and uh, we do that with raw onions. We make our own bread and butter pickles. Uh, arguable, but it, it's in the style of a bread and butter pickle that's not as sweet. And, of course, our secret love sauce, which I could tell you the recipe for, but then it wouldn't be a secret. <laughs> uh, lately, we've been doing homages to fast food burgers, like classic fast food burgers. And uh, for instance, last Friday, we did Big Macs and Double Western Cheeseburgers with our twists and our ingredients. But right now, and probably after this, I'm thinking about a Big Mac. <laughs> Lovely. I think someone else had a question around here. Thank you for this evening. My name is Chaz. Uh, I was just wondering, over the years, if there were, what was the most unique item you might have had on your menu or tried that either worked or failed? Um, we do uh, uh, filet, fish filet. That's very popular. Uh, we make our own tartar sauce. And American cheese, I'm, I'm a big American cheese fan. I like other cheeses a lot too, but uh, for uh, fish filet, I, I think uh, American cheese has that nice saltiness to complement uh, a fried fish. And uh, really, the tartar sauce, uh, the fish sandwich is really just a vessel for all the tartar sauce I'm going <laughs> to inhale. So uh, that, that's one that really worked and that I love. Uh, one of the more unique items we've presented isn't even a burger. We we presented a chalupa inspired by like LAUSD lunch chalupas. <laughs> so the quality we matched the quality of that type of food, and, and it was a, it was a huge hit between the staff. But we we sold barely any. So <laughs> so it has like a cult, uh, you know, 
we reminisce, we reminisce often about that one. Uh, there was one we did maybe like a year and a half ago. We called it the I Chihuahua. <laughs> and it had like this melted, griddled um, Chihuahua cheese on the flat top. Mm. And then covered that with pickled jalapenos and a tomato. And it just, I need to bring that one back because I really like that one. Yeah. Call me when you do. Yeah. God, how are you feeling? <laughs> I have a... ¿Tienes hambre? Siempre. I think we have another question over here, right? I'm Steve from Huntington Beach, and um, it's where I eat way too often. <laughs> um, you, you all mentioned growing your teams. Could you just say how big a team is each of your pop-ups? I have uh, two employees that help me on a weekly basis, and I, I have a pool of maybe five more that I get to call on for bigger events. So less than 10 people. My team has grown to about 15 people now, but that includes the bar side, maybe just the food side, a solid seven people full time, which I'm very happy to support. And uh, thank you everyone for supporting us in uh, you know, keeping, keeping our jobs and being able to cook burgers. For us, um Today is just my wife and I, but uh, usually we have one other person with us, a cousin that works with us. And besides that, on larger events, we sometimes get like two other people help, but that's kind of the max. Family business. Yes. Family drama? <laughs> no, man. Oh, look at you. I love that. They love Come on, too. wifey. <laughs> you guys have a great tagline, too. It's on the back of your hat, right? It, it says... Uh, uh, be, be kind and eat burgers. I love that. <laughs> I have a All little right, sticker yeah. with that. We on. have oh, one yeah, more question. we're here. We have five more minutes, so then we'll let y'all eat more cheeseburgers. They're really good. There's drinks outside. Hello, uh, my name's Katie. This is on. Yes. Um, I live in Pasadena. I actually live about half a block from the plaque, so it feels like I was meant to be here today. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to say, is it Alicia? Yes. Um, I just wanted to say that I have a six and a half year old that can still only say Hangerberg. Great. Um, I love your branding, and we have actually been following you since the pandemic. Oh, that's sweet. So I just wanted to say that. Yay. Thank you. I think we have one have another hand over question. here. here. I see you. I see all of you. Uh, I'm an animal rescuer, and I'm fortunate enough to have restaurateurs in my family. And I know that you guys are doing some sweet things out the back door to help hungry people and to help hungry animals. So if it's not outing you too much or putting you in a dangerous position with the health department, tell us a story because I know you all have big hearts. Uh, d during the pandemic, we were able to, um, the, the cells would go up and down based on weekly restrictions, daily changes in local laws. And uh, when we would end up with a lot of extra food, we were able to cook it, prepackage it, and give it out to the local uh, community. So that, that was a special thing. And I don't think I've ever told anyone that. At Love Hour, my partner has a wonderful um, program to feed uh, people that are uh, unhoused in Koreatown and in the community called Bicycle Meals. They go around and, and provide. And so we've been able to support that and donate food. 
And uh, for our animal friends, uh, we are always open. Uh, I know some people are hamburger purists and um, don't enjoy the Beyond Meat or, or Impossible Meat or vegetarian options, but we always um, like to support that and do that as much as we can and, um, and be able to help everyone out. For us, just um, animal-wise, our dogs are rescues. <laughs> we have some rescue dogs. Um, for us, though, we've, you know, whenever somebody has come up and either didn't have enough money or didn't, um, was just interested in what it was, we've just always, will give them a free meal whenever they've asked. Community, right? a lovely note to end on i yeah, think right I love that. well thanks to all the panelists for hanging out with us today Jairo, jimmy alicia thank you for everything thank yeah. you guys thank you for having us guys. and to our audience right and thanks. our audience y'all were lovely people thanks for the questions thanks for coming out that's it from us today um please go enjoy your cheeseburgers and remember every day is a good day to love la and download how to la please Thank you. Thanks, everybody. How to LA is produced by Evan Jacoby, Megan Botel, Monica Bushman, and Victoria Alejandro. Erica Washington got us cover on LES.com. Hasmik Pagosian engineers the show. Megan Larson is our executive producer. And I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.